Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Good morning, everybody online. Happy New Year to you as well. How many people stayed up till midnight last night? Awesome. Four people. Great. So us four are going to be really tired today. You guys look really well rested. Good for you. Um, <laughs> we just want to um, welcome you to the Vineyard Community Church in Wycliffe. It's a pretty good church, if I do say so myself. Um, and we're going to start with some worship through our music. Uh, and I picked some songs this morning that I feel like are just a good way to ring in the new year. Um, because what a better way to bring in the new year than to do some worship. So um, I'm going to pray over our worship through the word. Or nope, this is music. See, told you, midnight, guys. <laughs> worship through the music, and then we're going to have some worship through the word. So um, God, we, we thank you so much for this community of people, um, for your presence in our lives day in and day out, um, and just for your faithfulness and how you relentlessly pursue us every day. Um, so I just pray that each person here can feel you near and feel you close to them. Um, and we just thank you for another year that we get to serve you and that we get to worship you. And I thank you and praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. So when I found out I was going to be doing this this week, I was uh, thinking about what, what kind of songs are good for New Year's, things about uh, renewal and starting over, making new promises maybe. And uh, I thought of an older one that we do around here, uh, Refiner's Fire. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a guy that usually does resolutions. I'm kind of pragmatic about if I got something that's not right, why am I waiting until January 1 to fix it? You know, <laughs> kind of take care of things as they come up. But I thought this song is kind of a great promise and great prayer for the new year. So if you feel it, pray it with me. Purify my heart Let me be as gold And precious silver Purify my heart Let me be as gold Pure gold Refiner's fire Cleanse me from my sin. 
Before we start the next song, I just feel like God's put it on my heart that there's someone or some people here who needed to be reminded that God is um, relentlessly looking for you. And um, he chases us, and it's nothing that we deserved. It's nothing that we earned. And you might be thinking that you're, not, you're too far gone for God or God doesn't know where you are, but he does. And um, he's, he's here for you and he's looking for you. So if that's you... Um, I just encourage you to get some prayer at the end of service um, because our God is so good. And I just want to share him with everybody, you know? So, um, yeah, he's he's a good God. Fill this place with your great presence this morning. Darkness tries to hide 
do how great just our voices together, okay? How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see how great, how great is our God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.
371. Yes, amen. Number of households with senior citizens, 5,074. Total pounds of food distributed, 4,994 million, is that? 97, 727 pounds, I think I'm, 7,000. Total meals, 4,014,773. Because of our amazing relationship with the Greater Cleveland Food Bank, we pay an average of one cent per pound for food. One cent. Praise God. But we do pay for delivery. But one cent compared to pain. Yeah, we'll do that. Nutritious food distributed is 74%. That's big. We also receive food and goods from eight different retail stores in addition to the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. By the way, our Food Resource Center is closed this week for the New Year's holiday, but we need you back next week, January 9th and 10th. Don't forget today's offering. We have a small table in the back, set up at the back of the sanctuary for your offering, or donate on our church website or on Facebook. Amen. Praise God. Um, and have an amazing week, first of the year. Bless you all, and it's so good to see all your faces. And let's give God a big amen for this Food Resource Center. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Come on, praise God. Amen. Amen. Bless y'all. Have an amazing week. Love you. morning. I have a a question to start with, a question for you. My my question is, how is your hope? How is your hope? Maybe it would help if I gave you a, a definition of hope. Hope is the anticipation and expectations of good things to come, good things. 2022 has been a hard year. Mr. Dave, can we get the uh, slideshow up? First of all, there is the war in Ukraine, which is continuing to cost thousands, if not millions of lives, and certainly has displaced millions of people cost billions of dollars that continues to to go on and on. We have an epidemic of suicides. Two of our veterans every day take their own lives. It is the second leading cause of death in young people, suicides. We lead the world in taking medicine for depression. And depression is actually the second largest, excuse me, is the largest reason for people to not be off work, to be off work, to not be working around the world, depression. 
COVID continues to be an issue. Thankfully, it's not so much here, but certainly other places in the world, COVID continues. The number one cause of death in young adults between 18 and 45 is fentanyl overdose. As that continues to roll in from our southern border. We have inflation. Inflation continues. Luckily, the cost of gas has come down a little bit, although it seems to be going back up again. But uh, inflation, things continue to cost more and more. I had to pay $75 for my Christmas tree this year. We're a a very angry country. Uh, Republicans and Democrats are like this all the time politically divided about half and half and and at each other on a regular basis. We have no trust in our institutions. Uh, Depending on who's running the government, there's no trust from the other side. And certainly uh, some of the information that's been coming out recently shows that some of the uh, institutions within government that we trusted forever may not be quite so trustworthy. And we've lost loved ones. We've lost, had personal losses. Pastor Brent lost his mom. Scott lost his son. There's been many personal losses this year. Life is brutal. Uh, John Eldridge says there's just enough goodness to rouse our hearts with expectation and plenty of sadness to bring us back down. It was a tough 2022 for many. So why are we here? Why are we in this situation? Well, it all goes back to Genesis. It goes back to the fall when Adam and Eve ate the apple they weren't supposed to eat. And Genesis 3, 17 through 19 says, To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through Painful toil you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since you are taken from it. Dust you are until dust you shall return. They ate the apple. That's why we're here. Of course, there's the story of the young girl who who was sick. She was seven years old or so. I went to mom and said, hey, she just learned about the story of Adam and Eve. She went to her mom and said, hey, you know, I wouldn't be sick if Adam and Eve hadn't eaten the apple. But before the mom could respond, she said, but we'd all be here naked right now. (laughs) Of course, that was a sign of innocence. So as we get older, I I think God purposely causes things to deteriorate as they get older, as we get older. I think he uses that to draw us to him. Max Licato said this, It's hard to see things grow old. The town in which I grew up is growing old. I was there recently. Some of the buildings are boarded up. Some of the houses are torn down. Some of my teachers are retired. Some are buried. The old movie house where I took my dates has a for sale sign on the marquee long ago outdated by newer theaters that have eight choices. The only visitors to the drive-in theater are tumbleweeds and rodents. Memories of first dates and senior proms are weather-worn by the endless rain of years. High school sweethearts are divorced. Cheerleader died of aneurysm. 
Our fastest halfback is buried only a few plots from my father. I wish I could make it all new again. I wish I could blow all the dust off the streets. I wish I could walk through the familiar neighborhood and wave at familiar faces, pet familiar dogs. Hit one more home run in the Little League Park. Walk down Main Street and call out to the merchants who retired and opened the doors that have been boarded up. I wish I could, but I can't. I wish I could go back and do some things. I, I wish I could go back when I was seven years old and when Christmas was such a treat and when I got my first train, my first train for Christmas. I wish I could go back to racing at Bridgehampton, Long Island, the beautiful, beautiful track where uh, you'd look down the straightaway and you could see the ocean, look like the cars were coming up the ocean. I did my first race there. I won my first race there. They tore it down and built a golf course. I wish I could go back and sub at some of the cool old buildings that, that we've been closed uh, Washington Elementary in Eastlake or Haddon out in Painesville. Those are cool old buildings that no longer used. So if we had, if you got a great big treasure chest, a huge, huge treasure chest, and you could go back and you could put in all those memories, all those places, those things, those times that you would like to revisit, that you would like to go back to, what would be in that? What would be in that chest? What would be your memories of a Christmas, of an event, of a time, of a person, of a place? Thing. What, what would you put in that chest? What would you put in that chest? The problem now is there is a real crisis of hope. A lot of people's expectations of good things have been dashed. And one of the real reasons for that is we put our hope in the wrong kinds of things. We put our hope in marriage or the hopes of marriage. We put our hope in a child, our work, food, sex, alcohol, adventure, a new phone, accomplishment, a new car, a new school, a new house, a new computer, a new video game. They can satisfy for a moment, but soon the thrill is gone. I love what Rich Mullins said in his song, One Thing. Everybody I know says they need just one thing, but what they all mean is they need just one thing more, one thing more, and everybody seems to think they got it coming. But the rest of it says, I know that I don't deserve it. I need to love and serve you more. You're my one thing. And, of course, uh, C.S. Lewis has a great quote, quote, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition when the infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud plies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. But we have hope. We can get hope by, through God. Romans 15:13 says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit." And then the famous line from Corinthians 13, three things will last forever: faith, hope, and love. And it does love's the greatest, but hope's in there. 
You ever think about the fact hope is in there? That's one of the things that shall remain, hope. C.S. Lewis says you can only hope for what you desire. And there are actually three kinds of hope. There's casual hope, there's precious hope, and there's ultimate hope. Now, casual hope are things like, I hope we have a mild winter. I hope the waiver gives us good service. I hope the cookies come out good. And I hope the Browns win. That's definitely a casual hope. (laughs) Casual hope there, folks. Sorry. (laughs) And then there's precious hope. I hope the pregnancy goes good, that the cancer is gone. Like that my husband that's in the Middle East comes back safely. My prom on the prayer list is healed. And this picture is Jordan Flint, and he is actually the husband of our assistant principal at Willowick. And he was recently called up for nine months in the Middle East in his mom's home, my friend that I work with, for nine months with two young boys. So there definitely are prayers for Jordan uh, serving in the National Guard. Our ultimate hope is in Jesus. Our ultimate hope is in Jesus' promises. And he promised us reward. You know, we obviously have problems with reward sometimes. We want to do it for good. You know, we serve in the food pantry. Uh, We do Christmas for kids, and we don't want any rewards. We do that for for the good. But Jesus Jesus promised us rewards. In uh, Matthew 19, 27 through 29, an anchor for the resurrection restoration an anchor for our soul peter answered him we've left everything to follow you what then will be for us and i mean ultimately peter you know virtually all of the apostles uh, with the possible exception of john were all murdered killed uh, ended up with uh, just awful awful ends but uh, while jesus is still on earth peter asked him this He said, we've left everything to follow you. What then will be for us? And Jesus said, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields or fields, give up stuff. For my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. There's the hope. There's the anchor for our soul. And then uh, we finally actually get to our scripture for today, which is Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. There will no longer be any sea. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, pain, for the old order of things have passed away. Notice it says that heaven comes down to earth. It doesn't say we go up. 
the people that have died now and Jesus are waiting in heaven, but ultimately heaven comes down to earth. And it says it's going to make all things new. It doesn't say it's going to make new things. It's going to renew things. It's going to make all things new. We will be with God on earth. He will wipe away every tear. How many tears have you shed? How many tears have you shed? Have you shed? How many tears have you shed that were unseen? And yet he comes and wipes away those tears. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. What will be like that for people that are suffering like Bruce that is suffering through, through breathing? What would be like when that goes away? And Jesus' life on earth was actually an example of restoration. You know, before the crucifixion, he, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the crippled would walk, the flow of blood would be healed, and the dead were raised. Jesus showed what resurrection would be like when he was still here on earth the first time. Now, I think a lot of us actually have some real misconceptions of what heaven would be like. You know, we see the pictures of people with harps and sitting on clouds and just playing forever, worshiping, or in the eternal worship service where all we ever do is sit in church and worship the whole time. And, you know, I I know we have good services here at Vineyard, but I certainly don't want to spend my whole life in here. (laughs) And I don't think those in heaven want to either. God has a lot of... he, He... has created us to be creators. And we will be able to do that when we are in heaven. We will reign. Revelation 26 says, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power of them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Isaiah 65, 17, 19 through 21 says, See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and a delight to its people. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. And the sounding of weeping and crying will be heard no more. They will build houses. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Doesn't sound like we're sitting around doing nothing, does it? (laughs) We can look forward to that. Uh, Romans 8, 18 through 21 says, That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being held back, more or less back, God reigns in it until creation and all creation are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, joyful anticipation deepens. We are looking forward to those times. Some of the other uh, translations said, all creation groans waiting for the time of renewal. Dallas Willard talks about how heaven could be and once it comes down, again, we can visit those places. We should think of our destiny as being absorbed in a tremendously creative team effort with unimaginably splendid leadership, an inconceivably vast plane of activity with ever more comprehensive cycles of productivity and enjoyment. This is the eye hath not seen nor the ear hath heard that lies before us in the prophetic vision. 
We can visit those places that we long to see. We can go back to times that we would have liked to live. There is no time in heaven. Time does cease to exist. We can go back and hear stories. Do you want to hear Abraham tell stories? Or Moses? Or David? What would it be like to talk to them and hear their stories? If you want to know what your resurrection body would be like, Think about Jesus. What was Jesus like after he was resurrected? Yeah, he could kind of walk through, through uh, buildings, but he also sat and cooked fish and ate fish and had breakfast. Now, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that this might be my resurrection body. So I, you know, I sub at the, at the middle school and I wear Ohio State soccer shirts, polo shirts and so on, and occasionally the kids will will uh, talk to me about it, and I'll I'll pull up this picture. But I have an opportunity to witness to him because you know what I say? I say, when I die and go to heaven and get my resurrection body, I want to look just like this again. Uh, Short a few pimples. (laughs) So we are are invited uh, to a great feast. Revelation 19.9 says, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. We're going to be feasting and partying. Yay! How about some partying up there, folks? Isaiah 25.6-8 says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death, swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Again, we can enjoy amazing, incredible reunions. Who are the people that you like? Who is your family members that you'd like to see? Would you like to hear their stories? Would you like to spend time with them? We'll have time to do it because there's no time limits. I love the, uh, the lyrics from uh, the song Big, Big House from Audio Adrenaline. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room, a big, big table lots and lots of food, a big, big yard where we can play football. You know, they put it wrong. It should have been football, not football. I'm just saying. A big, big house. It's my father's house. And the interesting thing, if you see the guy on the right, Ben Sissel, Ben Sissel is actually now the marketing manager for Sports Car Vintage Racing Association, which is kind of the body that oversees Trans Am, where I go to races. And so I actually work with him on a regular basis. Uh, he'll be the announcer if I'm doing the invocation and so on. He'll announce me and, and so on. So Ben's a great guy, good Christian man, and uh, again was a part of Audio Adrenaline back, back in the day. The question is, is, why is this so hard for us to believe? Can, can, we have a hard time believing a lot of this. Henry Nouwen says, our life is short time and expectation, a time in which sadness and joy kiss. They kiss each other at every moment. There's a quality of sadness pervades moments of our lives. It seems that there's no such thing as pure joy, that even the most happy moments of our existence, we sense a tinge of sadness. In satisfaction, there's awareness of limitations. In every success, 
there's a fear of jealousy. Behind every smile, there's a tear. In every embrace, there's loneliness. In every friendship, distance. In all the forms of light, there's knowledge of surrounding darkness. You ever notice, and if you're a sports fan, you notice that how the joy of winning is never, never as good as it is, as bad as the defeat is, you know? You, you, you lose, you feel really terrible. You win, you feel good, but never as big an emotion, you know, because there's always some of that sadness there, always some of that sadness. You know, we, we check our phones on average of 110 times a day. We're looking for some good news, right? Looking for some good news. Do we find it? <laughs> That's another whole story. The real good news is in renewal. The, the Greek word for renewal is paleogenesia. Paleo meaning again, and genesia meaning beginning. So the beginning again, renewal. Go back to the garden, back to creation, back to the way it was. And one of the ways that we can kind of touch on that, where we can understand and feel it, is in the promise that God has given us. And Dave, you want to show us the, the promise video? Some sort of promise seems to be woven into the tapestry of life. It comes to us through golden moments, through beauty that takes our breath away, through precious memories. It comes especially through the earth itself. The whispers of this promise touch a wild hope deep within our hearts. A hope we hardly dare to make. That one day, God will renew all things. Nothing is lost. So there's a promise. There's a promise from God that he will renew all things. And there are moments in our lives when he kind of touches us to remind us of that. So I was, uh, my wife and I were actually FaceTiming with my... So we were FaceTiming my son in England, and we were sitting on our couch, and behind our couch is a big bay window. And my son in England said, oh, wow, look at that sunset. So I, I quick uh, jumped up and went out and uh, took a picture of it. My son, that sunset is one of those things that God reminds us of what, how the beauty of creation. There was a great sunrise a couple of weeks ago. A lot of people faced, uh, put pictures on Facebook of the wonderful uh, Wonderful sunrise. So there's moments like this where we catch just a little bit. We catch some of the promise. We catch some of what that future is going to be like, how beautiful it's going to be. 
And sometimes we get that when he shows us what we were made for and fills our hearts. So I started doing racing ministry in 1990. And I did it at our local track out at Nelson Ledges. And there were times when nobody showed up for chapel, when I was just there by myself. And yet I, I stayed faithful and continued and ultimately ended up having an opportunity to to work with the pro series with Trans Am. And I remember one of my first pro races, I was down at Road Atlanta. I was standing on the pit lane and it just hit me. God, God just told me, this is what you were made for. This is why you're here, that you are uniquely qualified to be here through your faithfulness, through your interest in racing, through your experience. You're here, and God will take moments like this where he says, this is, this is why you're here. This is why you're here. And that will be a great hope for us to know while we're here. But what would it be like if you could see your story, if you could see how your story affected people? Uh, those of you know Vincent Van Gogh, actually Van Gogh is the proper pronunciation, had a, had a pretty difficult life. He was an amazing artist, but he never sold only one painting. His whole life to his brother was kind of a charity thing. He ultimately had all kinds of issues with relationships, ultimately created suicide. But the uh, BBC show Doctor Who uh, did a video that what it would have been like for Van Gogh to come to the modern days and see kind of what ultimately his paintings and how they affected people. So Dave, could you uh, show the, this is from Doctor Who from the BBC. And he's being brought back to 2010. The death of two goats, to which she had become attached in like 24 hours. And then I was working on another podcast in non-profit project. Hold on, we got two things. Thank you. 
Yes. Glad to be of help. You were nice about my child. Yes. And say it's not a cracker, if I may say so. But I just wondered, between you and me, in a uh, hundred words, where do you think Van Gogh reigns in the history of art? Well, um, big question, but to me, Van Gogh is the finest painter in the world. Certainly the most popular, great painter of all time. The most beloved. His command of color, the most magnificent. He transformed the pain of his tormented life into ecstatic beauty. Pain is easy to portray. To use your passion and pain to portray the ecstasy and joy and magnificence of our world. No one had ever done it before. Perhaps no one ever will again. To my mind, that strange, wild man who roamed the fields of Provence was not only the world's greatest artist, but also one of the greatest men who ever lived. Sometimes we toil because we can't see the end, see our lives justified. Wouldn't it be great to see your life all the way through? Wouldn't it be great to see the impact that you've had on other people? Teaching kingdom kids, working at the food pantry, doing Christmas for kids. Just a kind word, just a friendship. Just a helping hand, maybe a handout, maybe even a word on Facebook or social message or, or Twitter for that matter. What would it be like if you could see all the things of your life? And what would it be like if you could be justified in some of the things where you were wrongly accused? I subbed for a number of years at one school district that I really, really enjoyed. And one day I... Uh, found that my sub that day was canceled and I knew the teacher I called I emailed and said what's going on she said well I didn't I didn't cancel it and it turned out that the school district had fired me and nobody would say the reason I called talked to the board the the head person at the school board uh, I talked to I worked through Lake County ESC and tried to find out and I, well, I'd like to see kind of you know what I did that was so terrible that I couldn't work there anymore. I'd like to see my life justified. So it would be amazing if we have the time when we go to heaven when we'll be able to see those wrongs that we were wronged, righted, and have an opportunity to see all the things, all the ways that we have impacted family, friends, and others that we don't even know that we touched, maybe down through the generations as we have had family and friends. Finally, just a word that one of the joys of the coming renewal is the end of evil. What would it be like if there was no evil in the world now? 
What would it be like? Matthew 13, 40 through 42 says, As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into a burning furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Would it be amazing, amazing to be in a world without evil? So now we come to the slide that probably you expected first. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And my challenge to you for 2023 is to take hold of the promise, to take hold of the hope with both hands and grab on to know what's coming, to know that good things are coming, to have hope, to have expectation that even if there are hard times, in this world at this time, in the end, all things are renewed. We have restoration. We have that hope. We have that promise. Let us pray. Lord, we, we thank you for those moments that you show us the promise, that you show us those things that help us to keep hope, to keep the hope of the good things that you have for us and the good things that we have here now, but even the better things that we will have when you renew the earth. We thank you that you love us enough to do that for us. And I pray today for anyone who is, is losing hope, that, Lord, that you would just come today and fill them with hope and fill them with your promise, your promise of good things, your promise of the blessings to come. And we ask that all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Happy New Year, all. Thank you uh, for being here. If anyone needs uh, prayer, we'd be more than happy to pray with you. So God bless. Happy New Year.